Well, let us come to the sermon this morning, and I'll be speaking from James chapter 4, or James 4, 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever desires to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. All through Scripture, we are exhorted, don't be conformed to the world. Keep oneself unspotted by the world. We are to deny worldly lusts and pleasures. We are to escape the pollution of the world. And one way that we can know if we are in friendship with the world is by our thoughts and affections. If our thoughts and affections are completely taken up with things of the world, it will cause us to drift away from the things of the Lord. At first, it's just a gentle drifting away, but then the world gets more and more in our way of life, and we become slaves to the world. This is where the disagreement is. We are children of God, and we are not to be slaves of the world. Let's look at verse 5. Do not think that the scripture says in vain that the, that the spirit who dwells in us yearns to envy. So in verse 5, we learn that others, they think that scripture speaks in vain. They scorn and they pay no attention to scripture. They even dismiss what scripture clearly says. There's a great drifting away from the truth of the word of God. And we see this pictured in Adam and Eve. When they disobeyed the Lord, the natural effect, when he disobeyed the Lord, his heart was hardened and he ran away from the Lord and he hid himself from God. And when the Lord came walking in the garden, Adam didn't come to him. He didn't come and plead for mercy and ask the Lord to forgive him that he had done wrong. But it was God that was calling to Adam. And the Lord called unto Adam and said to Adam, Where are you? It was God's voice speaking in mercy to a wandering child. And really, each of us wanders in a different way. But all our wanderings are a downward road, taking us lower and lower. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the prodigal son who had wandered afar off. He had left his father's house, and he was a long, long way from his father's house. Well, whether we have wandered afar off or just a little off, we've been given the answer to all our wanderings. And that answer is specifically in verse number 8. And it is draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is an invitation. Draw near to God. And really, it's also the message that all God's servants ought to speak. We have a message of reconciliation. We ought to preach in the streets, in the market. Draw near to God. Supposing that you had a friend that you'd fallen out with. 
You had, a, you had offended a friend, and you were offended at each other. But you, in your heart, you desired to make up. You wished that you could be reconciled. Well, supposing that friend had offered and sent a message to you and said, come, wouldn't you think, oh, he's taken the first step of, of reconciliation. You'd be encouraged in your heart. I've been given an invitation to come by the one that I'd fallen out with. Surely this is going to be a thing that ends well. I would willingly take the second step. And for this reason, the Lord sends us this message, come, draw near unto me. He sends it through the, in the book of James chapter 4, draw near unto me. This is to encourage us to draw near unto him. But the question is, may I come? I've done so many things. I'm, I'm really unworthy to come. I've committed many sins and for a long, long time. But the text is not only an invitation. It is a command. And we may do his commandments Yes, commandments are to be obeyed. Oh, obey the command and come. He has called and given us liberty to come. Surely that there may be some among us or some that hear this message on the internet. When you hear, you will say, yes, thy face I will seek. So God is saying to us, seek my face and our heart responds and says, Yes, Lord, thy face will I seek. But let's go through all the other verses. And there's a treasure of advice to help those that are wandering. To help those that are being enslaved by the sin of the world. And here we learn to lay all of our affairs before him. And yield to his plans and his will. So let's go through it almost verse by verse. We'll look at James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. God gives great favor to the humble. The humble receive more and more grace. The humble love scripture. They love to read the word of God. The humble demonstrate their love by desiring to do what God's word says. The humble are willing to receive instruction and correction. What a contrast from the proud person whom God resists. Proud people hate instruction, and hate correction. Why does God set himself so against the pride? Why is pride so devilish? Because pride caused Satan to fall from heaven. The, the, the wicked, because of pride in their heart, they will not seek God. Pride will not receive what the Lord Jesus has done on the cross for us. Pride brings contention and strife. And pride goes before the fall. 
The pride of our hearts deceives us and blinds us. Man's downfall is pride, pride in the heart. I was, when I was preparing this, I was thinking of the Pharisee and the publican that we read of in Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee really thought that he was praying well. But this was no prayer that God was interested in. He thought that he was accepted. Definitely, I'm accepted by God. But the pride in his heart had blinded him from his true spiritual condition. He thought he was guaranteed entrance into heaven because of what he had done. After all, he wasn't like other men that were thieves and greedy and robbers. And certainly he wasn't like that publican over there. No, uh, he said, I, I fast twice a week. I give tithes on all I possess. You see, pride says I, I, I. Humility says the Lord, the Lord. It is his grace. This man was self-righteous and he was proud. But the publican wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his own breast and he said, I am not worthy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went home justified, forgiven and accepted by God. For everyone exalting himself will be humbled, and the one humbling himself will be exalted. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And humility is a cure to worldliness. It's a cure to wandering. Humility cures worldliness. Next, we, we learn in James chapter 4 and verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit means be subject to God. Draw near to God, and he will give you strength to resist the devil. Set yourself under him. Submit as a good soldier puts himself in complete subjection to his captain. So it's a military term, submit. As a soldier submits to his commanding officer, we sit at his feet and we receive instruction from him. Resist the devil, we stand steadfastly, never giving in to compromise. The, the way we resist is by faith and humble prayer and heavenly wisdom which is his word, are the weapons of our resistance. But it's a voluntary submission to God. When we're dealing with the pride of life or friendship with the world, the way to resist these things is to submit to God. And when our eyes are upon and focused upon God, everything or anything that the world has to offer it, it loses its attraction. It seems as nothing compared to what the Lord offers us. 
When our eyes are focused upon God, every worldly thing loses its luster, its attraction. Resist him and he will flee. This is not just man's writings. This is a promise from the Lord. Resist and he will flee. And now we come to verse 8, the cure to wandering. The cure to wandering, the cure to departing from the truth. Right here we see a sincere call to come back to God, to draw near to God. I'll read the passage. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. This draw near is continuous. It's to draw near and keep on drawing near. It's ongoing. And we see it all through Scripture. It's not just in one place. For example, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. With a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, we have confidence to draw near because of Christ's merits. Because of Christ's promises. Because now the veil has been torn from the top to the bottom. And this privilege has been granted to us. We must never neglect to do what this verse says. And to use our privilege and to draw near. Hear this command and practice it. Draw near to Christ and he will come to your aid in every hour of need. It's been granted to us. And we can draw near without any fear at all. We have access and boldness. As Spurgeon wrote, it says this in a commentary, in an exposition by Spurgeon. It says, the sheep is never so safe as when it is close to the shepherd. And the prodigal is never so safe and happy when he's sitting at his father's table and feasting on the Good things provided by his father's love. Draw near to God and you will be able to resist the tempter and drive him away from you. So there's no place as safe as to be close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Drawing near to God will also cause us to desire to be pure and holy. There will be an inward desire of the heart like King David cried out, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. O God, renew a right spirit within me. So as we draw near to God, we wish to be viewed as faithful, do we not? We wish to be honest. We wish to be pure in speech, pure in action. Well, nothing purifies us more than getting near to God in Christ Jesus. You see, there's cleansing by the water as well as by the blood. The blood washes away all our guilt, all the guilt of sin. There's also a flood, a flood of God's grace and love which takes away the power of sin. 
He saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Can you see that hands are cleansed and hearts are purified as we draw near to the Lord? Let me say a few things about cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Let me mention just a few details. We are to cleanse our hands by letting go of all known sin, by putting away evil, by stopping to do evil that has defiled us and stops us from walking in the will of the Father. The cleansing of the hands signifies our practical behavior. Also, how can we come to God and receive blessings at His hands when our hands are full of holding sinful pleasures? No, we let go of sinful worldly things and we go to Him with clean hands and pure hands. Let's let go of everything that is not wholesome and pleasing to God. The verse also says, purify your hearts. And this shows the need to be cleansed in the inner man. The heart is responsible and it's the seat of all our intentions and all our affections and it's the seat of our thoughts and our actions. And actions birthed in the heart are usually carried out by our hands. So cleanse our hearts and our hands. What is required is inner purity and genuineness of action and of heart. A conscious desire to worship God in purity and truth is surely the evidence of a true Christian. A true Christian has a constant desire to live pure and worship the Lord. This is, this is King David in the book of Psalms. He was called a man after God's own heart. How I want to be called a man after God's own heart. King David loved the Lord. He repented when he did wrong. He loved what God loved. And this too should be our goal. And this will keep us from wandering. Next, uh, drawing near to God will help us to sorrow for our sin. His great love makes my heart tender and sensitive to Him. I don't want to do things that will dishonor Him. Drawing near to God will keep us sensitive to God. I read a story yesterday that touched my heart, and it's the story of a blind woman that used to read her Bible with her fingers, Braille language, and she would, she would read the scriptures with her fingers. But sadly, she lost the feeling in her fingers. And the Bible that she was so, so, so enjoyed reading she could no longer read because she couldn't distinguish the words with her fingers. But she loved the word of God so much, she said, there must still be some place in my body that is sensitive enough to feel the words. So she placed her Bible upon her lips 
And with her lips, she was able to read the Bible once again. And she was overjoyed that she was still able to read. And for the Christian, tenderness of heart is vital. If there's no tenderness of heart, we will not hear what the Spirit of God is saying. If we lose the feeling in our heart and our heart becomes hard, a hard heart, a stony heart is a terrible curse. Oh, if we found our heart becoming hard, plunge it at once into the Redeemer's blood and it will become soft again. Hardness of heart cannot remain if we come near to God and keep on drawing near to God. Our hearts will always be soft. James chapter 4 and verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. What this means is be afflicted and be ashamed of your wrong behavior, of your sins that you commit. Realize your own misery and your wretchedness. Mourn and weep on account of your sins. We are to feel distressed and sad on the account of our sin. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy be turned to heaviness. The word here for heaviness occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It's not what we would think. It's not gloom or misery or unhappiness. This word heaviness simply means be sorrowful for your sins. Be sorrowful for your sins. We mourn and we, and we weep. We realize without Christ in our lives, we are totally lost. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The question is not this, are you in the kingdom Are you a a king? Are you a great servant of God in the kingdom? No, the question is this. Are you poor in spirit? For the poor in spirit, the one who realizes they need cleansing, they are the ones that are well accepted into the kingdom. Oh, let us always realize that without the Lord, we are nothing. It is the Lord who gives us value. But there is a place for joy in Scripture. We see this in the very next verse. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and He shall lift you up. So there must be a a deep and a lowly bowing before the Lord. The truth is this. If your heart has never been broken, how can He bind it up? If you've never been wounded, how can He heal it? If you never acknowledge, if a person never acknowledges that they are lost sinners, how will they ever be found? Because we read that the Lord came to seek and save that which was lost. The humble receive the promises of God. Submitting to God is not a bad thing. Today, submit. Oh, no, no, I don't want to submit. Submit is a bad word today. But it's not bad at all. Submitting to God is what the prophets of old gladly did. It is what Jesus gladly did. He always submitted to his Father. 
There's no shame in submission. There is only glory. A man that is humble submits to God's providence, acknowledging his great wisdom, his generous love, his faithfulness. Submission to God will result in praise to his name, and he will fill our hearts with gladness. So there is the joy. Submit to God. Humble yourselves in his sight. He will lift you up and he will fill your heart with joy. If we draw near to God, we will consider others. If you draw near to God, he will help you to think well of other people. And he will help you not to speak evil of one another. When you draw near to the, to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings knowing that he is the judge, you will be less likely to take his work into your hands. You will let him do his work. When you live near to the great and kind and merciful God, you too will become kind and merciful, and you will be filled with kindness and compassion. When you find somebody that's sour and grumpy and always finding fault with God's people and finding fault with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, those church people, who do they think they are? You can be quite sure that that person who is criticizing has not been close to the Lord Jesus for a very long time because Christ loves his church. Christ's church is precious to him. And if a person is constantly speaking against Christ's church, well, that person is just revealing how far they really are from the Lord. Oh, draw near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord and he will put in us mercy and love and compassion. Then lastly... In closing, we see that drawing near to the Lord will help us to live with an eternal view. Um, James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. I think it's worth reading. Come now, those saying, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and we will trade and we will make profit. Then verse 14, who do not know of the morrow, for what is your life? For it is but a vapor, which appears for a little time, and then it disappears. Instead of you saying, if the Lord wills, you shall live and do that. The one who lives near to God has an understanding that this world is not my home. This world is not my rest, my eternal rest. There's nothing here of lasting value. They would be overjoyed if they heard the trumpet sound and that the Lord had come back. They wouldn't say, oh, no, I still have business to conduct. No, no, they would be overjoyed that the Lord has come to catch his people and take them home. And if, if they were told that they cannot go, that they had to stay behind, it would be a thing of dread and tremendous sadness to remain and not be taken away. Oh, when we live near the Lord, we have that eternal view that we have 
an enduring home in heaven with him forever and ever. There's nothing that will do us so much good as drawing near to God. If we live near to the Lord, our family worries and troubles, although we have them, they will not overwhelm us. Our spirits will not be pressed down. We will be able to live above them. All the anxieties and the ups and downs of life will seem a very small thing. Things of insignificance when we come into his presence. Oh, draw near, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. God will be pleased to manifest himself to you. May the Lord bless all of us. May he give us this drawing near for his name's sake and for his mercy's sake. Amen and amen.